I knew it. His deck is weak. Just like a rodent in the grasp of a rattlesnake, little Yugi doesn't stand a chance. He may have beaten Bandit Keith in Duelist Kingdom, but he'll find that dueling me will be a much more difficult challenge. Hello and welcome to Elagamer the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is... Introduce yourself, good sir. I am Jonathan Todd Ross. Whom you may remember from a little anime called Yu-Gi-Oh! Back in the day. <laughs> We're going way back. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but still, ouch. <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 just... I, I always love going back and, like, finding old franchises that I have not talked about on this show and... And and whenever I find the chance, the opportunity to talk about something I have not talked about or touched upon, it's like, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's let's do an episode about something that that I used to watch as a kid, and you people will listen to it because you have nothing better to do with your lives. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I mean, mostly nowadays you're. Uh, you told me like when before we started recording that you're mostly known for audiobooks, which I think is pretty cool because like a lot of people I've talked to on the show hate doing audiobooks. They're like, ah, ah. <laughs> really? No, I love it. I, I, it's. I'm always been a huge reader before I got into the world of audiobooks, and no it's great it just honestly it just takes a long time but like i i like that i like the you know you sit down and you know you might you, you know you get to create a whole world kind of all by yourself uh and that's that i find that really stimulating but it does take it it, it can take a really long time um so i get why other people don't like it but for me i'm I mean, and, and it's pretty impressive that you've, you know, built up a career around doing audiobooks. Like, just being an audiobook-specific uh, talent is just so rare these days. Like, so rare. Like, it's weird. It's weird to, like, have that be, especially, you know, especially over this past year, um, where it turned into a, a, a job I could do from home. Uh, it was already, you know, 60% of my time was already at home, but then to go 100%. Um, you know, was I was incredibly lucky to have, uh, you know, to be able to be able to go down into uh, into my dungeon booth and uh, record a book um, as if nothing else in the world was going on. It was a nice, uh, it was a nice thing. I mean, it's it, it's comforting because you know, with the, with the way things are right now, it's I'm at that point in my life where I'm just like I want to ignore as much as of, <laughs> of the news as possible because I'm like I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to look at that. I just want to be willfully ignorant about oh. about stuff. Right, it's hard sometimes, but uh, certainly I understand that impulse, and it's it's definitely nice to escape even just for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's why that's why I do the show. Like that's why I do these things because it's like I just want I just want a reason to just talk about like whatever for an hour or so right. and and just escape from it all. Just escape. <laughs> um, 
but no, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating because I, you know, like I said, I, you know, I've, I, I've had some guests who've done audio books, but like none of, like, again, it's, it's so rare to find someone who, who's built up a, an entire resume of being like an audiobook talent or, or being like a specifically like, a, you know, oh, you need audiobooks done, go to so-and-so like that's so rare. That is so rare. It's so. really weird. I, I mean, I know, I know, Certainly, I know some people who do it, but yes, I would say um, it's a small percentage of, of uh, uh, performers who spend even close to 100% of their time doing audiobooks, and I'm definitely one of the lucky ones. Like, especially if it's like a, a 400 or 300 page book, you're like, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, goodness. Goodness. <laughs> Well, you you know you do get paid by the uh, the finished hour, um, so it uh, you know it definitely toggles back and forth. Sometimes you're doing like a really long book and it's murder, and you just keep saying like, "Oh man, the long the longer this book is, the more I'm going to get paid." Um, and sometimes you're like, "I would pay any amount of money to be finished reading this book right now." So it it swings back and forth. No, I mean, and and audiobooks are really helpful because I said. I think I said this to someone where, you know, there are a lot of people who have difficulty reading and they sometimes need to, 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 to listen to someone, you know, reading it or re reading a certain book or a novel to, to really, to really get it. Or sometimes like people don't have the time. Like sometimes people are just too, too busy and they're like, Hey, I need, I need to read this thing, but I don't have the time. Oh, let's, I'll just listen to the audiobook. So there is a market for it, and and I have listened to a lot of audiobooks recently because I'm like, you know, I'm just busy doing, doing a lot of stuff, and I kind of need something in the background to be playing. So it's like, right. hey, you know, you just just let's let's find some audiobooks on YouTube, and you know, just go from there. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and I'm and I'm you know glad it's an expanding market, not just you know for myself as a you know profession, but um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a great thing and I, I am glad that it's being considered like reading it. You know, like it's, you know, when you listen to an audiobook that, that people are starting to consider it as if you've read a book. And I think that's uh, certainly a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, you're still processing the information. You're still like getting, you know, getting the gist of it. It's not, it's not like you're not, you know, it's not like they're, I mean, it's, right. it's not like, you know, you're just sitting around doing nothing. You're still processing it. You're still, you know, taking it all in and, um, you know, just listening to someone read the book <laughs> essentially, but, right. you know, but it's, you know, you know, I, I, I mean, yes, like with, as with every entertainment, like some audiobooks vary, like some mm -hmm. can be really good. Some can be really, we didn't give enough of a crap. So here's like some, <laughs> Here's like some some guy reading, <laughs> like uh, especially like the audiobooks that are that are uh, that um, that are public domain. Like focus on like a lot of public domain titles. Sure. They they just usually don't care sometimes, and it's just like oh, right. <laughs> it's in the public domain. Who cares? <laughs> and you really you really don't want someone like half-assing great expectations. You know, you, you really. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long slog through a book if the if the narrator doesn't really give a shit. Yeah, I know, man. 
it's it's just so just because I I remember like listening to to an audiobook of a of one of the of of a of a God, I don't remember the novel exactly, but it was really terrible. And I'm like, oh, is there is there another version of this? <laughs> like, because I don't like this guy. This guy's like not putting in any effort and he's just like going through the motions. And I think he because he's like, ah, I'm not getting paid a lot. It's it's public domain. Who cares? And I'm like, you know, right. you should you should probably put in effort because uh, people still people are going to be listening to this, like whether you like it or not. I, you know, I had a, uh, I had a, a friend who's uh, uh, a casting director for audiobooks, and um, I had a, uh, I had a session planned, and I, I had a sore throat, and I like really didn't want to close the session. I was like, you know, I, I really would love to do it, and I'm like, I really, well, you know, I really want to get in there, and the guy's like, look, you can go in there and record it if you like, like it, it doesn't sound awful like you can manage but you got to remember audio is forever like it you know it might be like 20 years from now and someone's like uploading this book to their brain and like <laughs> like you don't necessarily want them with you being like chapter four like it has to it, it'll exist for so long that you might as well do your best be you know keep yourself in good health Call in sick if you need to. Uh, and I think that was pretty good advice. Well, I mean, that's true of everything. Like even, sure. even, even like podcasts where, I mean, look, I rarely listen to some of my old episodes cause they were done on like, they were not done on the best circumstances. They were just like done on like the cheapest equipment I could find at the time. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, as, as I got older, I, I, you know, I got better at it. So like going back and listening to some of the older interviews where I'm just like really green as hell. I'm like, Oh, this is awful. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to go back and, you know, listen to early stuff. There's certainly some, some audio books from earlier in my career. That I really wish I could go back and uh, take another crack at. Yeah. I mean, especially like when you're first starting out it, because it's, you're not, I mean, what I think what makes audiobooks so uh, difficult for some people is that you're not acting; you're just reading the text, and you have to maintain that tone. It's not like you're not doing um, a radio play; you're doing, you're basically just reading the text. Right. Well, it's and it's funny, and and you know, in my experience, it's it's different for every individual book, and it's different for uh, genres. And frankly, there are different, you know, different readers slash listeners want different things from an audiobook. Um, so you're never going to please anyone. Um, or not anyone. Hopefully you please someone. But like, you're never, like, you're never going to, you know, have a, a hundred percent, like, that's exactly how I hoped someone would read this book. Um, but it is, I, I actually do find it a balance um, particularly in fiction, um, but it's true for nonfiction as well, between uh, between getting out of the way of the story, like you want to serve the story and you want to serve the author's words. Um, but that it's in that kind of thing where like, if someone, you know, if an author uh, specifies like this person has a New Zealand accent, you know, she said in her New Zealand accent, well, you know, you 
it's incumbent on you to do the accent. And then if you're doing the accent, well, like, you have to act a little. Like, you can't be, you know, if someone's like, she's, you know, she shouted, you're not going to be like, hello. Like, you're, you know, you have to, you have to balance the quote unquote acting with the fact that, like, someone is sitting with you for 10 hours, 15 hours, and it's 20 hours. And, you know, if you're, you know, going full out for 20 hours, people aren't going to make it through. So it's a really funny balance between the act, you know, the quote unquote acting, capital A acting, uh, and, and that reading that like sort of sitting, you know, not to be weird about it, but like sitting, you know, at someone's bedside telling them a story. Um, and I, I find that balance fun to find on different books probably sometimes I'm more successful than other times, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's part of, I find it to be part of the challenge as a, as a narrator, um, especially coming initially from a animation background where you're always being asked to go big, uh, that, uh, that it's, it is part of, you know, almost like you're fiddling with, uh, uh, a soundboard, a sound mixer, about like how big to take something, how small to take something, just how much of a New Zealand accent are you even supposed to be doing? So like, it's a, you know, it's part of what makes the job fun and it is part of what makes it uh, hard sometimes. And, and, and you bring up a good point with, you know, different genres, because sometimes like if you're doing a children's book, it has to be done, you know, yeah. you know, with children in mind. So you can't like, you know. right. Right, you can't, you know, you can't be subtle about, you know, and I've done a bunch of children's books, and like, it's really, yeah, it's it's hard to be subtle in those, you don't want to be subtle in those, um, you know, and on the flip side, like, you can't go too wacky in, in you know, books for adults, but you can't do a cartoon, uh, you know, when you're reading, you know, some some, you know, serial killer novel, like, you know, that's in in both cases. It's about serving the work and about serving the audience. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's again, it's it's weird because it's um, you know, you you got to keep in mind who your who your audience is when you're recording, and you have to to make sure that it fits the you know the narrative and what you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and. And it's 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 especially hard when you're reading like an audio biography of someone who is still alive but did not want to do the audio book. So you're just <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I've had experience uh, doing some books uh, <laughs> where pretty much you know you look on look on the Audible reviews, and when the author is both notable and alive, and for whatever reason they either didn't want to narrate their own book. Or they narrated like the first chapter and then you know and then you know bolted. <laughs> like there are all some of these reviews are like, who the fuck is this guy? Like I was listening, I was listening to you know to the guy I knew, and then this guy comes in and it's like it's not my fault. Like Tom Brady didn't want to do the whole book. Like it's not. That's not. It's not. Please don't be mad at me. Oh, I think. Um... 
you know, speaking of that, I think, uh, what was it, like one of David Cross's books opens up, like the audiobook version of it opens up with H. John Benjamin reading reading the book, and then and then he, David Cross comes in, he's like, John, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's like, I'm reading the audiobook. It's really funny. Yes. Um, I, just, I remember listening to that, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Like, that sets up the tone of what the audiobiography is right. and what the what you come to expect. And I mean, I like stuff like that because it makes it feel like, you know, it makes it stand out from typical other audiobooks, I guess. Yeah. And, and it also, you know, allows you to be a little more playful with, uh, uh, with the format. And, um, uh, you know, and I always think that it can cost publishers a lot of money to do fun stuff like that. Uh, but often when they do, it's really worth it. Um, you know, a plug for a book that I have absolutely nothing to do with, but I have a friend who, who uh, uh, you know, is a small part of like the new Seth Rogen uh, audiobook, the audiobook of his uh, memoir. And sort of similarly, where like they have like a mil, it's like a memoir, and they have like a million actors who are like some of them like playing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know details, but like it's that idea where you're playing around with the format. Um, uh, and it's definitely, you know, when you do get a project like that, it can be a lot of fun for you and hopefully for the listener as well. And it's especially great when, you know, it's, it's multiple authors coming in and, you know, just doing the audiobook as well, which I think is just, um, it's just great because it's like, you know, if it's, if it's a memoir written by two people about their experience, Mm-hmm. You want those two people to tell you the, the story. You don't want anyone else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, it is kind of jarring at first, like listening to like one author read their you know life story and then like switch over to someone else. And it's like, well, when I first met so-and-so, oh, I totally get it. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm always happy for the money, but sometimes it's like, you could just read this yourself if you wanted. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm making fun, but like people have reasons where, you know, they might not want to, or might not think it's the best idea. Um, some, some, you know, authors are uh, not, with all due respect, not always meant for audio. Some of them are incredible. Um, Gaiman is the is the king of those. I actually have not listened to very many audiobooks, uh, but I have listened to uh, some of his with my kids. And uh, like, you know, there's an author who's an incredible narrator. Um, so it, I think it, I think it's similarly like I think when you when you're doing a memoir though, you probably want the person, even if they're a bad narrator, you usually want the person who uh, you know you're interested in their story in the first. In the first place, you kind of want them to tell it to you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I understand. Like sometimes, you know, uh, maybe it's because of timing issues, or maybe like the person didn't want to do it, or if it's like a big name celebrity and they're like, "Yeah, I don't want to read the fucking audiobook. <laughs> Get someone else to do it." <laughs> you know, somebody. Sometimes they're they're like, I don't, shouldn't use the word forced, but like sometimes they're like, "No, no, you have to do this audiobook." Um. Where like it's worth so much more to the publishers if if you know in a lot of cases if the author themselves 
himself is uh, is the one narrating. Yeah, I mean that entices a lot of people who are like, you know, I want to. I have like, you know, who who just got into audio Audible and they're like, uh, I got Ooh. like one chance to, you know, <laughs> this is my one credit, <laughs> yeah, like one chance to get on Audible. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, but, but no, I mean, it is fascinating and I mean, I understand like, again, it's not for everybody and, you know, some people prefer just to read themselves and that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying you should like, I'm not trying to sell you on the idea that, um, that you should get a lot of that, 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 yeah, you know, fuck reading audiobooks is where it, where it's at, you know, <laughs> I mean, to each their own, I guess, but exactly. I, but I but I mean, I always found it fascinating because it's a part of voiceover that barely few people touch upon because it's like, because again, like like I said, a lot of people have told me like, I mean, it's it's kind of too time consuming. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And I remember like there was like one voice actress who, who, you know, did a Star Wars book and 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 she found it like really difficult because she's like she just had to sit sit in a room for hours and hours and just like read through this thing and it's mm -hmm. like tell the story of her character that she's played before but to tell it in a different way and i always and i found that really fascinating because it's like yeah it's it's a totally different experience it's not mm -hmm. you know read the script and you know in the hopes that someone's going to animate this later no it's like you're telling a one man one one person play essentially yeah here's here's a, a a metaphor maybe it won't hold up i've never used it before it seems kind of right now it's kind of like a lot of other voiceover work is like the goal at least is like you're a master of an instrument um and you want to play that instrument to the best of your abilities. Um, and uh, you want to give it all of your focus. And uh, in audiobooks, it's almost like you're playing every instrument and you're the conductor. Um, that you are responsible for um, all of, you know, all of the characters and all of, you know, and infusing them, you know, with life. Um and you have to worry about whether or not you're pronouncing things correctly. You have to worry about your own pacing so that people, you know, don't get bored. Um, and your breath control. Like, there are so many different things that you have to worry about. Um, I, you know, I certainly can see where where, where it just wouldn't be for, for everyone. Um, and again, no, maybe this is too inside baseball, but like, you know, you could probably... There are... You, you know, you could do a commercial for a fast food chain that would take you, you know, half an hour and make, you know, it's like doing, I don't know, like 10 audiobooks, 15 audiobooks. So uh, <laughs> I certainly, from a time perspective, uh, uh, there are, you know, there are probably, it's harder to get those jobs, but uh, for the people who do, I could see not wanting to add audiobooks on top. But some people do. I know there's some people who are uh, very success successful uh, commercial voiceover actors who, who, you know, might not do that the same kind of volume, but uh, enjoy doing the, uh, the audiobooks, at least here and there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have talked to some people who have done, like, you know, live action as well, mm -hmm. and they do audiobooks as well, and it's like in their spare, their spare time. It's like, I, I like doing audiobooks. I mean, it's fun. You know, it's something <laughs> you do, so there you go. <laughs> right. And 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 with the ever-changing landscape of, of, you know, voiceover, you kind of need to find something to, you're good at to, to stay relevant. Right, exactly. <laughs> And and honestly, in the in the pandemic, uh, uh, and certainly for for the first few months, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who are stage actors, and like all of them were out of work and, and are you know, in a lot of cases just starting to get back in there. And uh, friends who are in you know on camera work, where you know there was a long period of time where the jobs were really few and far between, uh, and even if it was a little bumpy at first, uh, the audiobook world pretty much figured things out within a matter of weeks. And, uh, uh, you know, people, people just all, you know, if they weren't already working from their basements or their closets, uh, they learned to do so really quickly. Uh, so it was actually a job that I know sustained a lot of people, uh, uh, certainly in the early stages of yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have talked to people who've who've just now started like going back on set, and they're like, "It's mm -hmm. a weird experience, like going back on set after yeah, sounds, after sounds a year of not doing anything." Mm. <laughs> you Dude, know, but it's got to be really unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like they, you know, as long as the safety precautions are there, then oh they sure, they they should be. But fine, I, so. I mean, I even just mean like interacting with other people. Is on is still you know like uh, uh, I'm st I still feel completely awkward when I'm with anyone in person, uh, you know it's uh, uh, re readjusting back to dealing with people besides my immediate family has been uh, has already been uh, very awkward. Oh no, I I remember uh, a friend of mine telling me like you know she had talked to someone face-to-face -face for the first time in like a year and like yeah, that person hugged her for the first time in a year and it felt weird because it's like mm -hmm. I, I haven't done this in in so long i kind of forgot how it how it felt like <laughs> right it's weird. It is, it's weird i've 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 been fortunate enough to, to hug some other friends in the last couple of weeks and it's very weird it's a I also noticed there are fewer hugs. Like we only did the hello hug. We didn't do the goodbye hug. Like it's very, it's really, uh, it's really thrown a wrench into into hugging. Oh yeah, you just you just can't touch anyone. It's like it's just. I like... know. It's really... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's just so fascinating. And and I've said this like many many times in many previous episodes, but. It's going to be so fascinating to see how how uh, people react to going back to some st some state of normalcy when it comes to social interactions. Because mm -hmm. as someone who's already like personally, you know, socially awkward as all hell, like it, this this <laughs> isn't this is like nothing new for me. It's like yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like right. now you guys know how I feel. So. <laughs> you know? Like constantly like. Mm -hmm trying to to make it the best impression i can but at the same time you're just like worried about i'm worried about uh screwing things up and and alienating that person forever and i'm like ah oh, shit nice and i said that shit nice and i said that 
but but I mean it's interesting and and seeing like people again seeing like extroverts become introverts has been so fascinating from a sociological yeah, really. standpoint. <laughs> yeah, I mean it really is. There's like a huge, you know, body of research to be done on like how this all messed us up this year. Like I know I have a, uh, uh, I have two daughters and uh, one of them is almost two and like God, who knows how this like messed her up like we when we did finally have uh, uh some friends who were also vaccinated come over um and it was like she was she like was terrified there were like people in the house and she like couldn't figure it out she was just like wouldn't let go of my wife like it's such a weird like there's there's so much that that we all know, um, but it is, you know, there's, there's such a multitude of ways that, um, you know, that we probably can't even begin to imagine how they're going to play out with like how this messed us all up. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's especially been hard on kids. Cause I mean, I've talked, you know, people who've come on here who've, you know, tried to juggle the family life just, mm -hmm. um, like I feel for them cause it's like, mm -hmm. how do you. Like, first of all, if, like, your kids are really young, like, how do you explain this to them in a way that mm -hmm. doesn't freak them out? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, my wife, my wife was really good with that, with our, with our older daughter, who was, you know, I'm sure this, you know, this, is, this clearly has been an awful year, but, like, she did a really good job with adjusting to normal, even though I'm sure it's traumatized her, like, it's traumatized everyone. I mean, pretty much it boiled down to uh, <laughs> we we have to do this because grandma and grandpa could die was sort of, you know, we didn't want to freak her out. But we we're like, the, you know, like, this is why we're not seeing grandma and grandpa. Like, we will eventually. Um, you're going to be fine. We're going to be fine, you know, which thankfully we were. Um, but, like, we have to be extra, you know, we're doing this for everyone's, you know, grandma and grandpa was sort of the tack that we took um, and she you know and she got it she you know she got very used to to life and is now sort of tiptoeing back into playdates yeah i mean we're slowly getting there slowly i mean we we would probably slowly. be there if people weren't uh weren't stupid but you know right <laughs> it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to count on people not being stupid yeah, I know. It's like, oh, we're so close. Damn it, we're yeah. back to square one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like as of as of as of this recording, um, we had just gotten out of another of a out of another two month like partial lockdown. So it's like, oh mm -hmm. man, and that was tough. That was like, oh god, we got to do this again. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, the back. I mean, the back and forth would would drive me. I don't know. Are things? Are you guys getting vaccines down there yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've we're getting. I'm just. I'm just. I, I already got like the first dose, and I'm just like currently oh, nice. waiting for for that for that for that notification for the second dose. And I don't know when it's going to be, but you know. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really funny. I mean, funny is the wrong word, but like, I remember you got that first shot, and you're like, you're like I'm an X Man now. Like I have. Like it really was like I am all powerful. Uh, obviously that's not entirely true, but like there was that, that like rush of like, holy shit, 
I can never die. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm I'm saying that as a two shot guy. I, I you know my wife and I are both queer. But, um, yeah, was, uh, I hope you get that notification soon. Yeah, I'm just I've just been waiting on, it. and I got my my first shot back in February. So you know. Oh, they're making you wait a long time. Yeah, I know. Where, like they're they're doing everyone's number one as fast as they can, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a mess, and it's just like it, and it doesn't help. Like they they're giving people like different different types of vaccines, and it's just like oh god, I don't know why you why you guys are doing that, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Far be it from right. me to question <laughs> to question right. to question this process you guys have right. put up, but um, but yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating because like you see people getting fully vaxxed and you're like I'm still still waiting on that second right. shot. Right. <laughs> mm. like, I, I would have had it by now if we didn't have to go through another partial right. lockdown no. because of incompetence. Sure. Oh God! <laughs> like just people. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to just like you tell them one simple thing where it's like don't socially gather, don't you know, practice social mm-hmm. distancing, and they're like fuck that, I want to do the exact opposite. It's just right. Ugh, I don't get that. I don't understand that. It's like we should be out of this by now. Like we, you know, but it's like ugh. it's you know, it it's always it seemed to me like. Thing, like, it's okay for things to, like, suck a little bit. You know, like, like I got, like, I don't know. There's a lot of things I got used to kind of sucking this year. And, like, I'm, I'm an incredibly lucky guy. I, I'm, I like the people that I'm stuck with. Um, I mean, I love them, but also, like, I've enjoyed a lot of this year of, like, family time and, like, hanging out with, you know, my wife's my best friend. So, like. It's nice, like we're like, and a lot of stuff really sucks. And it's like, you know what? If if we all just like let it suck a little while longer, we're all going to be okay. Like that's all. Like just you know, just a little more sucking, um, and then we'll be on the other side of it. But it's like I think that's really hard for. I think it's hard for some people to 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 not feel like it's a personal affront for things to suck a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to get used to cause it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, last year was just nightmarish for mm-hmm. everybody. Cause everyone like had no idea what, how long this thing was going to last. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what were, what, what we were going to do going forward. And, and it just, it, 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 it was just, it was crazy. And, and I <laughs> like, believe it or not, I think I told this to someone on Twitter, like via DM where it's like, I had a much easier time putting together, you know, scheduling these episode records before pandemic times. Cause before people had an idea of what they were going to be doing that day. And they're like, you know, they they had an idea of what they were going to be doing, but Mm -hmm. come like, you know, I think it was March or February of last year when the thing hit and everything went to shit. Like, I reached out to so many people and they're like, they had no idea what was going on. They're like, yeah, I, I don't, right. want, I don't know, like how I'm gonna yeah, really can't that commit in. to anything. I, you know, we're <laughs> we're all in the basement, huddled together. We can't, you know, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and it just it just became nightmarish and mm. and it's and it's funny because that person told me like you know well everyone's at home like i don't understand like it should be easier for you to um to get a lot of people that you couldn't talk to a year ago because everyone's at home and I'm like yeah you know you would think that but <laughs> you know? we practice not so much <laughs> like you would think that but um in actuality, it is very difficult because everyone was just like trying to to make sense of it all, and and um and yeah, like that's why like if you go back to the archives, there is no like there's only like one ep one or two episodes in March, like maybe one episode in March mm -hmm. of 2020, and then like April, nothing, <laughs> like mm -hmm. nothing, because <laughs> because everyone was panicking back then, and it's like okay. <laughs> Like, right, they're not like, sure, I'll come on your show. Everyone's like, I have to stock up on toilet paper. There's no time. <laughs> like, oh, uh, God, I remember, um, God, what was it? What was it? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember it was it was hard for me personally because, you know, I'm I'm used to, like, getting maybe one or two, maybe three rejections, but I, you know, getting like eight rejections in a single day, like really, oh, really fucks you up like yeah, mentally. Sure. Cause it's like, you know, am I doing something wrong, you know, to get like eight <laughs> rejections in a day, <laughs> you, know? you know, like, is the, is this, is this thing over, you know, I, I don't know, but, but I mean, good I... then to be able to blame it on the pandemic, <laughs> You know, you're not you're not looking at the the glass half full of this pandemic. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I, I all these rejections. That's only because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, some people who did like didn't have time to come back in April. Like, uh, came back and during the fall when everything okay. kind of we got used to it by then. So it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I I'm at that point where it's like, yeah. I'm at that point where I don't take it personally where if someone rejects because I'm like, you know, you, you do you. I'm not like holding a gun up to your head saying, you know, you got to do this. I just like I, I just I'm I'm at that point where I just like throw shit at the wall, see what sticks. And, 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 and anyone who comes on the show, I try my best to make that episode entertaining nice. for the listener. And, and that's all I can do, really. So Seems like a very healthy perspective. <laughs> Yeah. So if you don't like this episode, well, right. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, you know, that's all this is. Like, I'm just like recording something. I edit it together. I upload it on Lisbon. And, you know, you can either listen to the entire episode and say you like it or you don't like it. And that's all there is to it. Like, there is no. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking for donations. This is like free content. And mm -hmm. if you don't like it, then, well, fuck it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, but, but no, I mean, pandemic life, I think everyone's used to it by now. And, and, and I just can't wait when I'm fully vaccinated and I'm given the, the go ahead to finally leave and travel mm -hmm. and, you know, just like see the world again. Seriously. <laughs> just, I just really want to get out of here by this point. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I, I just want to go and stir crazy. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been like, it's been like a year now of sitting at home doing nothing. Cause I can't mm -hmm. go to, you know, I, you know, I used to, 
you know, go to an office job back, you know, pre-pandemic, but I'm like, I can't go, go there anymore. Cause like the COVID cases of, at my office are just like insane. And it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's like the moment I heard like someone at, at the office got COVID, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going back to that fucking office. <laughs> it was probably a smart choice. Yeah, and it's and still like there's still COVID cases. Like I think two more people got COVID at at, at my workspace mm-hmm. workspace. And I, and when I hear that, I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> just, just, uh, oh, just, man. just, uh, just a crazy situation all around. Um, but, but no, I mean, like, I think we're at that point where we, we can see the finish line. We can see the light in the end of the tunnel, but for whatever reason, like, you know, we still got people holding us back from getting to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a real pain in the ass. I know. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, I'm so close. We're so close to going back to normalcy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Uh, but, um, anyway, um, as I mentioned for, for people who are still listening to this, who haven't tuned out because like, <laughs> like we've had enough pandemic content. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> as I mentioned before, you're mostly known for your, your work yes. on, you know, cartoons or specifically, well, you know, J- the Japanese variety <laughs> back in, back in the day of, um, Back in the, God, when was Yu-Gi-Oh? Because I was it two thousand one. I, I believe Yu-Gi-Oh started in two thousand one, and I joined the team. I want to say in either in two thousand, either two thousand two or two thousand three. I think. So uh, almost that sounds kind of like a times out because uh, i remember watching Yu-Gi-Oh back when i was um on vacation in, in um i think it was like yeah i think it was like 2003 i remember watching Yu-Gi-Oh on i don't remember the channel's name in the uk i remember it was, it was like whatever <laughs> you know it was it's probably on right. on everything but um uh my family and I had gone to the UK and um, for for the summer because they're like, yeah, you know, let's let's go to the UK for the summer, and we just stayed there for like I think uh, a month, you know, back when you know we could afford to do that, <laughs> stay stay for a couple of weeks. And I remember you would used to watch Yu-Gi-Oh because it's like not because I was a huge fan or anything, but I'm just like you know this is kind of dumb, but it's at the same time kind of hypnotizing and and really fascinating to watch because it's like my god it's so fascinating because like it's so committed to its concept of every problem in that show can be solved by playing a children's card game (laughs) right um yeah it's like the the language of the show is uh you know, it's almost like, uh, uh, to be cheesy for a second, I have a musical theater background originally. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that you'd always say in musical theater is like when people, you know, when people's emotions are so high that they can't talk anymore, they have to sing. And like, that's why you have a musical. 
And uh, in a not dissimilar way, uh, it's like on Yu-Gi-Oh! It's like when you can't talk anymore, like you gotta play cards. Like, like it's the it's like the extension of like all of the themes of that show. And um, yeah, but I, I would I would agree that it's a it's a a show deeply committed to its concept in in uh, you know in a lot of ways in to, to great effect. Uh, where I, I feel like the the show lives on uh, because the because the card game has managed to live on, and you know, uh, you know I've I've been a guest at, at tournaments, and uh, you know there's 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 clearly passion that stems from the the card game to the show, and I think they're probably. I think especially for younger audiences um, where it went the other way, where it went from passion to the show to, uh, you know, as an entrance into the card game. Um, but yes, that's Yu-Gi-Oh! is nothing if not committed. Yeah, no. And, and it's, it's just interesting, like, you know, playing like, you know, one of the main antagonists and, and I just, I, I, for whatever reason, I always found him interesting because he's basically just an evil Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, he's just basically <laughs> evil Yu-Gi. Like, he even has a similar design, for God's sakes. <laughs> you got a lot of spiky hair going on. <laughs> but, but I mean, no, I mean, um, it, it just it, it was just so interesting because like how they tried to 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 put in like uh, to try to. God, I don't, I don't know if mythology is the correct term, but uh, they tried to shoehorn in like all the Egyptian gods into this, into this uh, children's card game. Right. <laughs> and and pharaohs and everyone just like runs around dressed as as, as ancient Egyptians, and it's just, my God, <laughs> it is just so <laughs> fascinating. Like, I, I, you know, I remember my friend Tom, like, had read the manga, and, and I remember mm-hmm. he would, like, call me up when we would just, like, chat on Skype for hours on end about about whatever random shit we, we, were, we were doing that day. He would just go on and on talking about the manga, and it's like, man, it is just like, have you read it? I'm like, no. It's like, dude, it's so fucking crazy. Like, all this crazy shit happens. It's just it's so amazing. <laughs> Like in its absurdity, and I'm like, that sounds awesome, <laughs> you know. And 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 during quarantine, I I you know had an had an incurring to go back and watch some old Yu-Gi-Oh episodes, and I'm like, man, this is cheesy as all shit, but it's just it's so fascinating to watch. It really is. Like I'm just like glued to it. I'm like, I don't. I mean, I see the appeal now because it's just like so dumb. But it, but it's like so fun at the same time. I don't know. Maybe I just like weird concepts of, of, uh, of stuff being 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 solved by children's card games or whatever. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if that remained the case in the world? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always felt like I, I love. I, you know, and, and look, I know that that uh, there were obviously like changes from the manga to the uh, 
cartoon as it originally aired in Japan. And there were certainly changes from Japan to the American version. Um, but I, I, I always found a lot of appeal, even for, for me as a performer, um, in, in their work. Like, you know, like sometimes the show is deeply logical, um, you know, to the point of, you know, where, where, you know, the statistics where it's like, I have to pull this card, but I can't pull this card, but maybe I should play it in attack mode or maybe in defense mode. And then there would be times where like, there's one episode where Marek just like puts up his arms and flies away and he never does it again. Um, there's just like one day where Marek can fly. And like, of course that's, you know, that's wild. But like, also there's something kind of, something kind of great about that where like, one day a character flies and like the, you know, that the world of the show can sort of sustain, you know, this sort of, uh, I would hesitate to use the word silliness because I don't don't think that that's necessarily the intention, but sort of like this, this sort of anything can happen spirit um, mirrored to this, you know, strategy game. Um, and it is certainly what I loved about playing the character were these like, you know, especially as a performer where like, I was not privy to the original version. It wasn't like a thing where, especially in 2000, uh, 2003, where there was easier access to the original Japanese version. Uh, but like, you know, but even things would move so fast in the recording that like, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be the kind of thing where you would get a script and, and, you know, have a week to prepare. Like you would come in and you, while you were waiting to go, you would like flip through to see what's happened in that episode. And then you would go do it. And, uh, you know, the, the, I think the, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to talk in circles about this, but I think the, the, there would just be these fun things for that character. Like you mentioned before about like, he's like evil Yugi. And like, even though there's eventually a, a backstory for him that like, it, it was so fun to just be a guy who, who was just like loving being evil. And uh, what I found really appealing about, about that character is that like, he would lose, like he would lose big time. And then he'd be like, no matter. And it was like, no matter. Like, you've been talking for like eight episodes about how like you're gonna you're gonna like murder this guy and like you just lost and it's like, well that's fine. And like, man, I really wish I could do do a little I could use a little more of that in my own life. Like this this just sort of like, okay, I really wanted that, but now I don't care. I'm just you know, and it's I, I it's something that I I I think was intrinsic to the, the, uh, like, yeah, like, yeah, like there was a silliness and and certainly in America it was meant for, you know, or in English language uh, territories, it was, it was meant for a a broader uh, audience. Um, But I, I actually think that that silliness, for lack of a better word, was what, um, certainly what was appealing for me as a guy in the booth doing it, where like one day Marek is flying and it's never talked about again. Um, 
like that, that sort of speaks to my own sense of humor. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that if that completely answers answers the question, but uh, that's certainly what I what I really enjoyed about uh, uh, you know about enter, entering into that entering into this world where, like to this day, the the card game I have no clue how it works. No, I mean, same here. I, I, I remember like, um, recently going through IG looking for, for uh, Instagram, looking for stuff. And I saw like someone posted an ad saying like, Hey, there's a local Yu-Gi-Oh tournament <laughs> coming up. And I'm like, Yu-Gi-Oh people still play that here, but no, it's really big here. Ironically enough. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I, it has, it has <laughs> a, uh, uh, an immense, afterlife that you know in addition to you know th- nothing ever dies in the, in the same way where like those episodes are still very easy to come by um that that game has certainly lived on in in pretty extraordinary ways i you know i don't do a lot of uh conventions um I, but I, I was uh, fortunate to be there in at a con in London about two years ago. And, uh, you know, and it was this huge convention, you know, with all the, you know, it was a London con. So it was anything you were a fan of, there was something there for you. And, uh, you know, one enormous hall was dedicated to a three day long Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Um, you know, they've, they've done a really good job of, sustaining interest in uh you know in in the game um you know if if not the show yeah and and i always felt like it you know it did what the pokemon card game didn't do in that you know like the pokemon card game like was just a fad like it it was just like a a small sub fad of of that Mm -hmm. franchise where it was popular for like a couple years, but it never took off like Yu-Gi-Oh did. Like I remember, like the moment you know when when Yu-Gi-Oh first hit the scene, like everyone was like, you know, why are you still like why are you still wasting time on Pokemon? You know, Yu-Gi-Oh is where it's at right. now. Right. <laughs> but but I mean, I just I just find it find it interesting because like you know, card games are just like card games. I I'll never get understand because it's like. Like there's just like a lot of strategy to it, and I remember, like I remember I used to follow an artist who used to talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I'm like, what do you want about? Like I don't understand any of this. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but no, it's it's really fascinating how how like you know, especially you know in pandemic times, I I I often think about the longevity of a, of a franchise and, and like, you know, is something like, is the stuff coming out now going to last, you know, mm-hmm. is going to be talked about come, you know, five or 10 years from now. And, and, ver- and some, and, and the case is like, no, not really, you know, unless like a part of a huge franchise, like you very rarely do you see people come back to a lot of franchises, but Yu-Gi-Oh like has, has a lot of, has a lot of staying power and a strong fan base and, and <laughs> just, you know, yeah, you know, just having it, 
just just like having it be alive in some form or another is kind of comforting because you know everything's going to be all right like okay right. okay <laughs> you know like you know people are still into this so it's okay mm-hmm. you know we're 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 getting there you know? <laughs> like people are still watching the old episodes people are right. still like you know writing reviews about it people are still talking about it people are you know the cast is like doing virtual conventions and and whatnot and it's like okay cool you know it's 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 nice it's it's nice to be able to um to to um to to go back and 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 see that something that um that you used to watch as a as a teenager is still around (laughs) like Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's comforting you know right that there's still this life that uh goes on and is still there yeah i mean especially considering like we're at that point where it's very nostalgic now i mean it's almost like tw- mm-hmm. you know 20 years old so it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's so weird because i remember back in like the 2000s everyone's like ah you know the 90s cartoons are so much better it's so now everything's like wannabe anime like now everything's pokemon and and Yu-Gi-Oh! and now and now it's like we don't like the newer cartoons. We want to go back to to, to the old Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. <laughs> you know, I what's what's also funny about that is I've uh, I've found that among uh, fan. You know, like like I said, I don't I don't uh, I haven't had the privilege to do a million cons, just a handful. Uh, but I did a handful back. You know, when the show when I you know when I was first on the show. And I've done, you know, like I said, one two years ago, and there's there's kind of a hilarious gap between the reaction to people who are coming up to talk about the show, and uh, back when it was first on, uh, you know, there were <laughs> I know from having looked at the internet at that time that there were like people who did not like my character's voice some for legitimate reasons, some a little too personal. Uh, you know, but but older older anime audiences back in 2003 um, had very strong opinions about uh, the show and how it changed from Japan to the American version. And uh, that's no... Like, I don't hear that in the same way, I think because of what you're talking about. I think, you know, partially because kids who grew up watching it, you know, weren't watching through, you know, sort of an, an older, you know, more mature lens as fans of like, you know, what they've determined to be like true anime. And, uh, you know, those kids who, who grew up with it and it became, you know, their lodestar, uh, you know, they don't, they just don't have the same feelings about it. Uh, all, which is all to say that like, People are a lot friendlier at cons than they were when I first started. Is what is my main point. Oh uh, no, I remember. The, as the audience has grown, um, and the people you know, the people who are coming up are, are more along the lines of like, the show is a really big part of my childhood, and like that, you know, it's a, a, a very, you know, a, a largely different reaction than the first time around. No, I remember uh, way back in. Like way back, way back in 2004, when I used to, to to browse like forms. Remember those? Mm. Remember form boards? Those are a thing. Yeah. <laughs> when I used to browse form boards as as like a teenager, like I think I think it was around like 2006, 
I, you know, I came across like a forum board, an anime forum board talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And, and, and it was just mostly people complaining about the four kids dub and how they butchered yeah. it. And, and it's like, oh, I can't believe they did this and that. And, and, and people just like trying to find like the, the raw uncut episodes because they were right. just like, people don't understand like how hard it was back, back in the day to find those episodes. Yeah. Now it's easy. Now it's like whatever. But back in the day, oh my goodness, you had well, to go through need, so much right. shit. <laughs> and you, you would need something to play it on. Like, you know, you would, it would be, you know, it was really, really hard to, to, uh, to get that stuff. I, yeah, I, I, that, that sensibility, uh, I would, you know, which I knew, at, I even knew at the time, like, to not take it personally. And frank, frankly, the good folks at Four Kids certainly felt the same way. Where like, they weren't, they, they no, no one was, no, I, I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but like people weren't worried about people who are being loud and angry on the internet, which certainly is very good advice. Um, everyone wanted to do a great job. I really think that the changes that were made uh, were really just about, certainly at the time, what the market was for a show like Yu-Gi-Oh! And I frankly think they were right about it. Um, uh, that, you know, that in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! was not a show that was going to be on, you know, on Fox, on, you know, 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. Like, it, it, it was... In America, it was it was really a show that was going to be a, and again, I don't mean this in a shitty way either. Like, it was going to be a kid show, um, right or wrong. Um, I do think that's what uh, the larger audience in America was was ready for at the time, and um, you know, and I and probably you know now that it's almost twenty years later, uh, it's probably I, I would. I would hesitate to, to call call it important in the way that important things are important, but I think certainly, um, you know, it is uh, with a number of other shows probably a key, you know, a key, you know, key piece of content in in opening up uh, the world of animation just a little bit more in terms of it not being solely for kids in terms of people being able to like, like Yu-Gi-Oh was, I think a really good entry point for a lot of, uh, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, if that came as a result of toning down the violence or some of the complexity of, of the characters, um, you know, that probably was a, a smart decision, even if it was, I imagine a, a financial decision as well. All of these things, uh, uh, I have no, you know, no real inner, you know, inner workings knowledge of. Um, but I, you know, I do think that that, you know, like you could, you you could, you know, you certainly see like, you know, people have a, a greater and deeper respect for for anime. Um, you know, if it's it's as, as close to uh, mainstream as. Anything you know, I, I ever could have imagined back in two thousand three. 
And and I, I think like people were harsh on it because you know we back then we didn't like you know we didn't have the option like a, a lot of the shows that were imported to the states specifically for a U.S. audience like weren't given the option to to say okay if you don't like the dub you can watch the sub because it's right. like you didn't have that option. <laughs> right, I, I think I have, think you're absolutely right. I think. I think the lack of choice involved was maddening to the to the anime fans in in America, in the UK, and any English language place that were listening to the dub. Um, that to know that like there was a version of the show that was more sophisticated, uh, uh, you know, for an older audience, um, even if it was still, you know, it was still a, a you know. You know, it wasn't like an underground show in, in Japan. It was, I, I, I don't recall exactly, but it was like an evening show that like adults would watch and kids would watch. Uh, and I, I do think probably without an easy way to let people watch the original version back then, it was probably really maddening if you really knew your anime shit. Like I like those people would come up to the at cons. Like I always understood where they were coming from. Um, you know, like I I I get it. It's that kind of thing where like I really hate watching you know Die Hard on you know on cable when it's you know edited for TV. Like you know you know you're not getting the good stuff. Like I I get that. I get when it's like toned down from what it uh, from what you know it to be it can be frustrating. Oh, it's especially frustrating when you're on a plane and you're like, I want to watch this movie. And then, and then that, that little disclaimer pops up. This film has been edited from its original I version. <laughs> I know. But again, you know, as a parent now, uh, the thing that's hard about airplanes now that everyone has their own little thing at their seats is that like my older daughter were like, you know, obviously we stopped flying as much as we had been during the pandemic, but like, she was at the age where, like, if someone was watching something kind of adult on another screen. You would see her start to like lean over and it'd be like, "Oh no, you can't, you can't do that. Don't lean over." Like that person is watching something that is not for you. Um, but yeah, I always felt this. I always felt the same way on airplanes, where it's like, just say the curses. I remember being like ten years old and just be like, "God, I know what you're saying. Why are we all pretending we don't know what you're saying?" No, but I do think it's 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 funnier watching like raunchy raunchy Hollywood comedies. <laughs> it's like edited down. Yes. Yeah, it's they're much more funnier when they're edited down because like no one talks like this. You're not you're not substituting the swear words for anything. For that makes for sense, anything, right? Because you know? <laughs> I remember like watching um, when I was in the states, like I think back in 2012, uh, I think it was yeah, 2012. Um, I was watching like Cop Out on cable and it was real. There was like this one line where Tracy Morgan's character goes, Jimmy, come back here, you piece of shit. And they changed it to Jimmy, come back here, you piece of dirt. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> right. But it's, it, go, it, it makes those things literally absurd. Yeah, it just it just okay. becomes it just becomes hilarious where it's like, are mm -hmm. you fucking kidding me? To are you joking me? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. come on, you know. 
but but I mean it's like hey you know I know why they do it because then um, then uh, other uh, other um, other cable other cable channels can promote the uncut version and no right. commercial interruptions. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, no, but I mean, like I get where you're coming from and, and it's interesting seeing people's opinions on the dub change over the years because of the, you know, some mm-hmm. mostly like some of it's mostly due to nostalgia. Some, some mostly due to, to people saying, okay, you know, it might not have been the best dub, but, um, you know, you can't admit, you can't argue that, um, like, I mean, you can't argue that you gave, uh, Malik, um, a distinctive voice that people associate with that character. Like, you know, you can't listen to that specific, to that voice and think of anything, anyone else, but that character, you know, it's forever. Right. It's forever linked to it, you know. Right. For better, for better, or you know, certainly for worse, if, if you're not a fan. Um, uh, yeah, and that's definitely a very cool thing. Um, uh, you know, certainly, as as I've gone on to other things, like it, it's definitely cool when I do get to go to the cons and like it's we it's weird to to. It's weird to have a distinctive character out there that people that people know. Yeah, I mean it's it's distinctive and people know what what it is. I mean it's it's the same thing with like Dan Green's like Yami Yugi. Like people mm-hmm. know what that is. It's like oh, you're doing Dan Green. Like you know, it's become mm-hmm. such a stable of that character. So you know, it's it's interesting, is what I'm saying. It, it is it's very interesting that. Um, that, you know, back tw- you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, 20 or so years ago, everyone was like, oh, these English voices are so terrible. And now it's like, well, I don't <laughs> want anyone else to play these characters. <laughs> right. You know, I don't want they anyone They might else. be, they're terrible, but I love them. <laughs> yeah. um. and, 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 and I think it's like another thing that I noticed from the dub is like, it's very speedy. Like it's very fast paced, where you know they have this very fast paced way of talking mm-hmm. that I think is is a real turn off for a lot of people, and I kind of understand that because like you know you're going from one scene to another, and it's really really fast. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's funny when 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 that question you know always always came up, and it was never frankly even back then asked explicitly. Very rarely were people like. I mean, you would have people every once in a while be like, what do you think of the dub? And it's like, you know, obviously being older, being certainly being a parent, uh, patience comes with, with time. Uh, and I certainly realized the, a lesson that I, I could have used in my own life, uh, but that I certainly think about when I think about that era and, people's changing reactions to the show. Uh, without a doubt, everyone involved wanted, wanted to do a good job. Like you would see people get really angry online. And and like I said, sometimes it would get like deeply personal. Uh, and, you know, the reality, the reality of it was that there were so many people involved in the making of that show and everyone wanted to do a good job. And 
I have no doubt that that's that that's the. I mean, I shouldn't say I have no doubt, but like I, I do think people who are putting work out into the world, um, whether that's someone sitting in a room writing a novel, whether it's you know uh, hundreds of people uh, adapting uh, and you know an anime show for a slightly different audience, um, you know, most people want to do a good job. And like, that was certainly my experience there where like they, the engineer, the engineers, the directors, the, the writers, um, you know, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave the booth until we felt we got it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, Certainly we live in an era where where it's really easy to be like angry at stuff on the internet. And I think that's I think that's a part of it's a part of fandom. It's it's the double edged sort of fandom, like you love something and when it doesn't go the way that like you you hope it would, um uh you know, you're of course going to have a strong reaction to that. Um but that ultimately uh, ultimately, it's not personal. I, man, do I. There are certainly a few more controversial topics in this, but like, I kind of think about that as like, when I was a kid, man, nothing mattered more to me than than Star Wars. Uh, and as an adult, I still love Star Wars. I am. Uh, I'm not. Certainly, I'm not. Uh, hundred percent in terms of like consuming all the content, but like I'm seeing the movies, I'm watching the Mandalorian. I will watch, you know, I I'll probably get to, you know, uh, uh, bad batch. Um, you know, but I'm like, I'm all like, I'm all in. I, I love, I, I showed my, my daughter, uh, some of the movies. Um, and it's like, there's something that people are like incredibly passionate about. And while I have a variety of feelings about the, the relative successes of, of you know, the, the most recent trilogy, um, I kind of had an, I kind of had a perfectly, you know, when I was disappointed, I was like, well, that's okay. Like my life's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and when I, the moments I thought were thrilling, were like thrilling like when I was five years old and like there was there was less distance between like the joy that that of being a fan and the disappointment when like things didn't look like what I wished they were um you know and, and obviously you know I was a, a small part of a big machine when it, when it came to Yu-Gi-Oh um but definitely as I reflect on that and as I reflect on like the, the lessons of it as, you know, as we're having our 20 year retrospective here, uh, I feel like, I feel like it's, I feel like all reactions, all reactions are okay as long as someone doesn't punch me in the face. And no one's ever punched me in the face because they didn't like the dub. People threatened, not in front of me, but like online, and like even that was okay too. Like that was all right. Um, like it's passion, the passion for for 
fandom for for anything um, is is welcome, and I think it's part of uh, it's part of a a complicated process that uh, you know is why problem why people get into any creative art form in the first place, whether that's voice acting, whether that's audio engineering uh, or cinematography or like whatever, like that's, you know, part of the, part of the fun of fandom, even if sometimes it can turn a little ugly. Um, I don't know if anything I said made sense. No, uh, no. I mean, it, it makes <laughs> sense. I mean, it, but, but, uh, yeah. uh, uh, but yeah, I, 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 the benefit of like 20 years has been that like people, people coming up to me today and being like, you know, this show was a really big part of my childhood uh, is wonderful. And I'd certainly, that's a reaction I'd prefer than like, man, your voice was really grating. Um, you know that, but like in some ways those those responses are connected and they're no, they're no less valid. And, uh, as, you know, as a creative performer, um, <laughs> who frankly is very, sen- I'm a very sensitive guy and my wife yells at me for it all the time. Uh, you know, like, stop, please stop reading your reviews, your audible reviews. What are you like? just don't do that. <laughs> like sometimes I can't help myself. And, uh, you know, but, but it's all, it's all part of it's, I think it's all part of what, what fuels the desire to, to participate in, you know, in any sort of creative piece in the first place, whether as a uh, performer or as a fan. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, it's tough. It really is because, you know, back then, like, you know, back in 2000, like, what was it? 2003, 2004, like we didn't have like, you know, it, it, fans did, didn't have that interaction with celebrities. Like it was just like the, like the most we got was maybe some, someone from the show would come into, to, to a form and, and create an account and answer questions mm-hmm. And that was it. Like that was like the most interaction we got. It's not like today where if you you're a fan of someone, you can easily just talk to them on Twitter or whatever. Right. You know, like there mm-hmm. was th- there wasn't that interaction. And I think that we take that for granted because back back in the day, like if you didn't like someone and you were like threatening them, chances are like that person probably saw it and you know you didn't even know it. Like you know exactly. <laughs> So it's it's interesting, but I mean it's, I mean it's it's a very difficult subject to cover because it's like you know years worth of 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 uh, franchises and and different fans and different feelings and and I feel like if we try to try to understand it, we'd be here for like eight hours. But um, right, exactly. Yeah, but uh, but I think the point is that. Um, at at the end of the day, like looking back at, at at four kids in general, is that yes, they did have their problems, but they also had their strengths. In that, you know, they it was nice seeing anime, like it was it was nice seeing anime with like a, an all New York cast at the time because that was like so mm-hmm. rare. <laughs> like, right. 
it's it's very rare nowadays it's like every every anime is done in in, in either texas or, or la so right you know. <laughs> it was nice to hear a new york cast <laughs> and and i kind of miss that i kind of miss like hearing new york casts mm. and, and stuff you know. yeah it was definitely it was fun yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. and and again like the and it's kind of funny looking back at it, like the people that that didn't have a lot of like vitriol thrown at them online that everyone was like, oh, this person is really good. I hope they get more work, ended up getting more work in bigger projects right. as the years went on. So it all worked out at the end of the day. And <laughs> at the end of the day, like everyone moved on. Like it, it was fine, you know. Like there, like no one lost sleep over this. I hope not. God, I exactly. hope. No one, you know? and to my knowledge, no one, no one lost lost sleep. I mean, at the end of the day, like people did the best they could with with the situation that they were given. Like they were just like, okay, here's the work. You know, this is what we want. Okay, what can I do as an actor to give you what you want? And at the end of the day, like that's all, that's all anyone ask, anyone can ask for. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, did I give a good, good enough performance for, for the director? I mean, I hope so. (laughs) Right. Anywho, (laughs) I think it's been, we've been talking for like an hour and 22 minutes now. So (laughs) if, if you got anything else to to add before we wrap things up, you can go ahead. And, uh... I don't think so. This was a this was a fun a fun conversation. All right. Um, thanks so much for taking the time off to do this, good sir. I know this this has been you know it was difficult trying to find a good time to to schedule this, and I'm sorry in advance for 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 the time. But um, you know, like no, I not said, at all. I just hope <laughs> I didn't sound too out of my mind. You sound you sounded fresh as a daisy. <laughs> like yeah, you can't even tell I recorded. On the day. <laughs> you can't even tell I recorded two back to back episodes <laughs> today. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Uh, before we get going, uh, where can people find you online? I, I oh man, I um, Twitter for better or worse is where I'm. I'm probably the most active. Uh, and I'm at Jonathan Todd Ross, but unfortunately just with one S uh, because I ran out of characters because my name's too fucking long. Uh, uh, and I'm on Instagram somewhere. I, you know, I, I, I should know that stuff off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Twitter's probably the best place to find me and say hello. All right, uh, check him out on Twitter, and thank you so much for doing this. And if you ever want to come back for whatever reason, you know, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, buddy. Bye bye. Take care. Have a good night or good day, rather. <laughs>